Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. The unbeaten run is over. Uh, but we said six points from nine would be good, and that's what we got, plus through to the third round of the EFL Cup. So this is not a bad little period for us to uh, to reflect on here, Dom. Let's go all the way back, and it feels like a while ago. Let's go back to Charlton. Not a game that will particularly stick in the memory. It wasn't a classic, but it was three points. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was a great bit of play, wasn't it, towards the end from... Josh Windass, brilliant ball into the box. Bowit, Parkinson, header. And um, it was the subs that made the difference. And I've banged on about five subs a lot and how that really favours Sheffield Wednesday having such a deep squad. Um, We saw it to full effect against Charlton. I I thought Wednesday were lucky to not be behind after the first half. I thought they were a little bit off it. Yes, okay, the conditions, it was absolutely roasting that day at Hillsborough. I understand that. You know, you had Barry Bannon who was suffering from heat exhaustion and then didn't play at Peterborough a few days later. Um, but still, it was a little bit laboured. And I thought Charlton actually looked a really good side on on that. And um, yeah, they, they should have taken their opportunities. You know, the, the one that was cleared off the line by arguably the player of the season so far, Liam Palmer. Um, that was a big turning point. Charlton for the first hour with a better side, didn't take the opportunities. And Wednesday finished strongly and got the goal and got the job done. Yeah, it was quite it was quite frustrating, wasn't it? And 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 certainly you could hear that frustration among the crowd because you know, we we talked about Charlton on the last podcast and kind of said, look, you know, they're not they're not really anything to write home about this season. But it's Charlton, still one of the bigger teams in the division. You still expect them to be, you know, knocking around certainly top half of the table come what may. But I think they were much better than than we'd given them credit for, and perhaps anyone had really given them um, credit for. But I think two real key things, and these will not be the only times that we say this this season. Number one, you know, you have to win games in those circumstances sometimes. It's about taking chances. And if you are going to have a good season, you'll have games where you're not at your best and you find a way of winning. That's that's the first thing. The second thing is, as you said earlier, substitutions change the game. And this is going to be such a huge theme this season. And I I think I might not have really realised until now just how important it is for every team in the league. But you're right, with with five substitutions, having strength in depth, making the right changes at the right time will allow you to take a game where you've been second best, turn it on its head and find a way of, of winning. That's exactly what happened. And um, you, 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 it's not going to be the only time, is it? We're, we're going to see these games where Wednesday aren't, aren't going to sweep everyone completely under the table and, and, and beat everyone at a canter. So, you know, having that option of changing things off the bench, strength in depth, quality that's available to come on and find those ways of winning games is going to be absolutely vital. I understand the boos at half-time against Charlton. It was a poor performance. Uh, I still don't like it. And I think people have to remember Wednesday been so strong at Hillsborough this calendar year. The last 10 months, they've lost two times at Hillsborough. You know, they've turned that place into a fortress. And so 
the expectations are enormous at the, at the football club this season and what people expect. And we know it's promotion. I, I get that. But there are going to be times where, and you touched on it there, when's it going to have to grind it out at Hillsborough? Your teams are not going to just you know, get the red carpet out when they come to Hillsborough and go, oh yeah, you can smash us four or five nil. It's going to be you know, a stroll in the park. It, football doesn't work like that. And when's you don't have a divine right to get promoted this season, they're going to have to work blooming hard to achieve it. And so patience, I think sometimes, and perspective is going to be really important this season. And, you know, there will be times where, as we saw a few days later, where Wednesday came a cropper and didn't get the result, stick with the team, have faith in the manager and that he knows his resources best and how to you know, get the best out of them. The team finished fourth last season. The squad is stronger this season from all the business that they've done so far. And they're still not finished yet. And it's a, it's a marathon. We keep on saying it, but it is. It's 46 matches. So Wednesday season is not going to be defined in the first 10 to 15 matches. You know, they can make life very difficult for themselves if they don't put points on the board and they leave themselves too far adrift with the top six. But they're not. They're right in there. They've made what I would call a really respectable start when you look at the fixtures that they've played so far. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think um, I'm not going to talk about booze at halftime. I'm going to avoid talking about... Um, Stuff related to the fan base because I think there's elements of the fan base where there's some absolutely vile stuff going on at the moment, and I think it's better that we um, that we don't get onto that because we won't talk about the football. So let's stick with that. Let's move on then to um, Peterborough on the was it Tuesday night or Wednesday night? Can't remember. I think Tuesday, it was Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, this, this was a game that very much turned, didn't it, on one on one incident, and um, you know, I think uh, it was there were probably some eyebrows in terms of team selection. And it's really hard, isn't it? Because when it, when a game turns on a single decision like that, you can't really go back and analyse whether or not those changes were right and whether they worked or or whether they didn't. I suppose the important question to ask, and I've seen a lot of different views on this, I've got my opinion, was it a sending off? It was absolutely a sending off. Live, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was a yellow. Um, but when I then watched the replay a couple of times a few minutes later. No, it, he, he, it was a mistimed challenge. There was no malice there from Reese James. He got it all wrong, unfortunately. And yeah, he is not a centre-back by trade. And perhaps it showed with that challenge uh, that it was high. It was, you know, it was dangerous. Um, and, you know, he could have hurt uh, Joel Ward, I think it was, for Peterborough. So, um, it was a huge turning point because actually I think Wednesday were well in the match for that half an hour before sending off. You know, it was a game-changing moment. I thought Wednesday at nil-nil, the way things were going, you could just detect that the Peterborough fans were getting a bit frustrated with their team. And I felt there was an opportunity there for Wednesday. I think if it was 11 v 11, James, I think Wednesday would have got a result. Um, and so they may have kept the unbeaten run going, but... Um, you know, I, I thought there was a huge overreaction from Wednesday fans, and and this again yeah. comes back to you know the Charlton halftime moans, and I know you don't want to talk about maybe a sec a small section of the fan base, but there should not be a sense of entitlement 
right? It goes back to what I said of where 46 matches, Wednesday, yes, are the big fish in the league, but there are still some good sides in this division. Look at Ipswich, who are the other title favourites. This is their fourth season in League One, right? You know, <laughs> it shows you how tough it is to get promoted, you know, out of this division. And so it was a setback at Peterborough, but Peterborough are going to be in and around the top six. They've probably got the best two forwards you could arguably in the league in Johnson Clark Harris and Jack Marriott. Jack Marriott, who, by the way, who just looks a completely different player from what we saw at Sheffield Wednesday. Different hair colour, but honestly, he is what we thought Jack Marriott Wednesday were getting when they signed him. And then, he, as we know, he was a flop. But Peterborough, he seems to have found a home. And Peterborough are going to beat a lot of teams at home this season. You know, they're, they're a strong team. And so there's no shame in losing to Peterborough because I think Peterborough and Ipswich are the, the teams that I really fancy are going to challenge Wednesday for automatic promotion this season. You know, you could maybe yeah. throw Derby in there, possibly a Barnsley, one or two others, maybe a Portsmouth. But, you know, I think it's going to be between those three. I really do. And I know it's very early days in the season and we've got 40-odd matches to go, but I already think the league is beginning to take shape. I I, I totally um, I second that in terms of the fact that you, you, you're not going to... Th- that kind of entitlement thing about, oh, oh, you know, we should just brush everyone under the carpet, HMS, this, that and the other. Uh, that that that's it, It's quite a bad mindset because what happens when you do lose a game is that you you get what we saw on tuesday night which is it's like when wednesday win everything's fine when wednesday lose more out he hasn't got a clue what he's doing and it's like we can't keep bouncing from one extreme to the other like that it just doesn't it, it, it's just ridiculous it, it doesn't benefit anyone it's not great for like you know twitter and and social media it just becomes a horrible horrible place and it's yeah, yeah no, the that, swbfc that, that, hashtag just is not, terrible it's isn't not, it it's not sustainable, is it? We can't just keep doing this all season. Whereby, if we win, it's all right. If we lose, it's the end of the world. Surely, it's not. It's not sustainable. I know. It's the question though, off people, the back of people got to stay level-headed. They have. They have to. Yes, absolutely. There, there will be ups and downs. Like I said before, there will be. You know, at some point this season, James, I guarantee you, Wednesday will probably go one win in, say, six or seven matches, and there will be people out there going more out. Stick with the team, you know. Like it's not gonna be plain sailing all the time. It's just not. Um, um, um. Uh, listen, you can't see this. I'm grinning because we have the return of Doomhouse in there. Wednesday will go uh, a run of only one win in six. There's his prediction. If you want to stick that on uh, Twitter later on, please, uh, please do. Um, I agree with you. By the way, Reese James was a red card. The question off the back of that, really, you know, we're saying that, that changed the game. Should Peterborough then had a player sent off a few minutes later? Because it was a challenge that seemed pretty similar. Undoubtedly, yeah. I mean, I, I, at the time, I, again, it was difficult to tell whether that was a sending off. But then when you slow motion, you break it down the stills. Yeah, I would say that that should have been a red too. And that's where you want the consistency yeah. in officiating. And unfortunately, well, you don't always get that. But Wednesday, it should be said, I mean, Wednesday had luck this season with decisions themselves. That, you know, it yeah. should be noted. So maybe, as the old cliche goes, it does even itself out. But but yeah, definitely, 
I think Peterborough should have had, you know, been a man down at that point. And then it, it comes down. And it's to, a different game, isn't it? When yeah. that happens again, it, 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 you know, it, that that balance swings uh, again in a in a different direction. I'm not going to suggest we get into this conversation now. I have a feeling at some point this season that we're going to end up in a conversation about the standard of refereeing in League One right now, uh, and. Um, I think it's something that we sidestep just now. Let's park that and let's revisit it. Might be wrong. And it does seem to be that it's probably going more in Wednesday's advantage than um, disadvantage right now. But I think there's an issue there and I'm sure at some point this season that we'll, we'll come to that. Off the back of Wednesday going down to 10 men, um, obviously there needs to be some reshaping. So we saw George Byers go off um, and look, you know, let's, I don't think we need to particularly dwell on the fact that he went off. The incident with J.B. Smith, if we were doing this podcast a week ago, I think we'd be making a bigger deal about this because the following day there were photos of them hugging, shaking hands, and it, obviously it's a, 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 non, a non-event. I, I, don't, I can't say I particularly have an opinion on this. Do, do, you have, do you have anything that you want to say about it or do you think it's something we go, right, well, it happened, let's park it, move on? No, no I've got a few things to say about it. I, I'd say a storm in a teacup and if Wednesday... Yep don't go on to lose that match, then I don't think as big a deal gets made out of it. Yep. And George Byers, what can you say? Frustrated to come off. I would think it's, you know, we haven't spoken to him publicly about it, but I would think it may have something to do with his lack of minutes and he feels he should have played more games than what he has done so far this season. Yep. And I do think he's been unlucky with his game time. He had a strop and um, I, I thought he was out of order, really, with the way he behaved. But then it's fair to say that Jamie Smith did not cover himself in glory. And I don't think, you know, Jamie Smith after the petulant slap from George Byers should have left it. You know, you know he should have just risen above it and then the de- deal with it after the match. Darren Moore didn't even see what had happened you know, as he was still focused on the pitch. So yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that Darren Moore wasn't even aware that this had all kicked off and was going on. Um, it just wasn't a good look. But like you say, I don't really want to make a big song and dance about it. As, as the fact is, you want players to be disappointed when they come off. Of course you do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, you don't want them the, being happy this... when they you know, when they get taken off after 40 minutes in a in a midfield reshuffle. And if I'm being totally honest, James, I don't think he was the right person to come off. I think it should have been somebody else. I would have taken somebody yeah. else off before I'd, I'd taken George Byers off out of midfield. I, I didn't disagree with Darren Moore sticking with the two up front. The problem is the two up front consisted of Lee Gregory, who is still searching for his first goal, and then a really out of form Callum Patterson, it has to be said. And, yeah. and I know a lot of Wednesday fans would have gone, why didn't you take Callum Patterson out? But actually, I think it was a positive move for Darren Moore that he was trying to keep two players attacking players on the pitch, two strikers, to still try and yep. give, you know, a Wednesday a foothold and to, you know, give yep. Peterborough something to think about. You know, I think that was the thought process behind the decision making. Yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? Didn't work, but, you know, you've got to try these these things. Um, I think, and, and, and we kind of segue into the Bolton game here with with, with this, that um, if, there's, if there's anything that came from it, it's that I perhaps saw, uh, I've seen a side, to George Byers now that I don't think I'd seen before because there was real passion there in terms of when he was um, 
taken off. And his response to that against Bolton, scoring the 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 goal, running the length of the pitch to celebrate with um, Wednesday fans, and and that kind of feeling of that was a goal that just meant that little bit more to him than perhaps some other goals have because of the events of the the last week or so, and maybe just you know over the course of this season, not really got going, has it for George Byers? So that felt like there was a, a some some real kind of emotion behind that it's it's been an interesting week for George Byers it definitely has I, I think we've got to go back though to the, the opening half an hour before George Byers scores there were two huge moments in that football match uh an unbelievable block from Michael Hehekwa um you know when they're you know I think it was Bradley who had the shot I'm not saying it was a certain goal but um it, it was a brilliant wholehearted challenge from Ehequa. And then Bradley has to score after a terrible back pass from Backinson. And it would have been interesting to see the reaction from Wednesday if they'd gone behind. I did feel that the first goal was going to be crucial. Bradley should have scored, didn't. And then, you know, great bit of play from Marvin Johnson and Barry Bannon to, to set up buyers. And as you say, you know, we saw all the emotion, you know, pour out of him after, you know, what had been, um, you know, I think maybe a tricky couple of days uh, for George Byers. But I, I was glad that, you know, Darren Moore kept faith with Byers. And I thought the midfield three worked really well. And that was the best performance so far of this season from, from Wednesday. And, you know, I, I didn't mention Bolton before. It was another team that I expect to be in and around the top yep. six. So to go there, make a statement... And, yeah, Josh Windash should have scored in the second half. That was a great chance to have made it 3-0. And Wednesday aren't clicking yet in an attacking sense. They're not. Um, But they're being professional and they're getting the job done. And when they're getting the noses in front in games, then, you know, we've seen it with the defence. Five clean sheets in seven matches. You can't really ask much more than that. I think the the big headline, really, from Bolton is... Liam Palmer, 350th appearance, captain for the day. He doesn't score many goals. In fact, he went the best part of a decade without scoring a goal at, at, at one point. Um, and, you know, it's the it's the kind of Roy of the Rover stuff, isn't it, on his 350th appearance with the captain's armband. Uh, and it was, a, it was a good finish as well. Difficult angle to score a goal from. So fair fair play to them. You, you touched on this earlier in terms of like, you know, it is quite early doors to be having this sort of conversation. But if you were, if you were forced to pick a standout player of the season, you know, Liam Palmer would be right up there, wouldn't he? Because he's, he's shown consistency. I think he's shown, um, some some real defensive prowess, but then he's also shown what he can do coming forward and, and getting the goal on Saturday and all the stuff around it and you know listening to the interviews with him afterwards was was just lovely. There's been times in his Wednesday career where he's taken a lot of stick, perhaps unfairly, but you know where he is now just seems to be a really good place and 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 you can't be anything other than really delighted that you know it was his day on Saturday and it really was his day on Saturday. Absolutely. And I can only echo all of that. And it's lovely now to hear Wednesday fans, they're starting to chant more of he's one of our own. And that's the way it should be. Wednesday should be celebrating the fact that they have got a player in their ranks who's come through the academy, has been with the club 20 plus years, and he's made 350 appearances. It's an incredible achievement. And I don't think that Palmer has always got 
the credit that he deserves. And yep. he's not consistently played in his best position either. He's always stepped up and done whatever is needed for the sake of the team. And he's sacrificed, I think, himself a lot of the time to do what is necessary, whether that's filling in at left-sided centre-half or playing left-back for a period under Steve Bruce. And he did work quite well there. And, you know, I, he started off as a midfielder and look at him now. And uh, I, I actually think we're starting to see a player hitting his prime. And uh, yeah, at the moment, for me, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. You, know, you can't leave Liam Palmer out of the best eleven, And I, I have to say that, is it down to maybe increased competition? It, it Maybe it is. that Again, the fight to play right now is... Um, is really hotting up in every yeah. department of the team. I mean, I, th- I feel like what I'm doing um, in the podcast this week is just touching on things that we could talk about on another week's podcast because there's a really interesting thing around. Like, it, it's strange that Liam, Liam Palmer's been here for more than 10 years, I think it is. And yet, you know, it's only really now that the fans and, and him seem to be connecting. And it's weird why why this period, you know, he's, he's never been a bad footballer why there's been periods where that connection just doesn't seem to have been there when it's entirely logical you know he's 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 a lovely down-to-earth guy when you hear him talk he's clearly passionate about Sheffield Wednesday the photos of him you know being at games when he was a kid and stuff like that there's so much there for for us as fans to connect with and yet it's taken such a long time to get to this point it just seems odd to me when players like um you know daniel poodle who connected with the fans straight away and and you know there's there's a, a whole load of other players it's it's odd and and there we go i mean again maybe a subject for um for another podcast on another day i, I do want to move on because uh we've got so much football to talk about so going to move on to uh rochdale uh, or the uh, sheffield wednesday goal of the season competition as it's otherwise um known three amazing goals can't ask you to pick which one was best because i think they were all great i think probably i'd probably say fizz just because of the power that he hit it with just made it look so spectacular reminded me of that goal that daly and atkinson scored at hillsborough years ago for aston villa i don't know if you remember that one um and i don't want this to sound like a negative thing but you know three great goals that that won the game but kind of masked actually what was a bit of a pedestrian performance other than that. Tell you what, if you can go out and, you know, not play brilliantly, score three amazing goals and win football matches all season long, you're going to do absolutely fine, aren't you? That's, um, you know, again, part of um, part of football. Yeah, I, I'm with you. That I, I didn't think it was, it was a great performance. It was functional. And um, Wednesday played in fits and starts. And that's really how they've played for a lot of the matches so far this season. And it's just got, as I've said before, I think on the podcast, it's got shades of last year when they made so many new signings and everybody's still trying to gel together and develop that understanding. And Darren Moore is chopping and changing the team. Uh, Rightly so, by the way, squad rotation is going to be important, but especially at the beginning of this season, he needs to get minutes into as many players as possible. And so the fact that Wednesday now got through to the third round, that's an an extra match. And that's going to then be great and benefit the fringe players who will be needed at times this season when the injuries start to kick in and off the suspensions. You know, we're hoping that there aren't going to be loads of injury problems this season, but it is Sheffield Wednesday. They've got, they've got to cover for all bases. 
Sorry, I've gone and done it now, and you're giving me the old scoreboard um, shout down there, which I enjoyed. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think um, <laughs> Wednesday didn't actually get anywhere near sort of top gear, and yet still Rochdale they could have scored another couple in the second half. And yeah, and Wednesday are winning matches right now, and the strikers aren't scoring. So what more can you ask for? Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's a matter of time before these strikers um, start scoring. I, I will yeah. say that they do need to improve their open play right, in terms of creativity. If you look at the XG from the other night and you take the long-range shots out of it, it, it was low down. And I think the Rochdale yeah. boss mentioned that. So the quality of chances that Wednesday are creating, right, you know, we're not, they are down on, say, the second half of last season. I think that's that is something to keep an eye on, and I, I'd like to think with the quality that's come in that that will go up over the coming weeks. Yep. And and again, the more confident this group gets, and winning breeds confidence, then you would think it will go hand in hand, and that you know we will start to see those numbers rise when it comes to XG, and then goals for strikers, ideally. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good piece of the jigsaw to not have in place yet, really, isn't it? So you know, if you are if you're scoring goals from your non-strikers um, and you're scoring goals without creating a huge amount of chances, they're pieces in a in in you know if if promotion is a jigsaw puzzle, the things then to to add into that puzzle so that you can you know see it would be striker scoring goals. Well, that's what they do. So that shouldn't be a hard next piece of the jigsaw to put in place. It's you know, just a little bit of a you know, a weird sort of period at the moment. We know all the strikers can score goals. So when that piece comes in, and actually, you know, kind of like things gelling and creating more chances. I mean, you're right. There was a point against Rochdale where I think Wednesday were three up and XG was something like 0.11. And, and you're like, I mean, that's that's crazy that's kind of brilliant in a lot of ways but there will be games where it's it's not 3-0 when your xg is not 0.11 and that's a problem so you know that next bit of the jigsaw after that is obviously creating more chances but that piece of the jigsaw that you can see should now fall into place it's not like you think well where are these chances going to come from the players are there we know they can do it so it's now just a matter of a few things maybe on the training pitch that fall into place strikers hitting that bit of form I don't think the strikers are playing particularly badly but hitting bit of form in terms of actually sticking the ball in the back of the net and you've got like a really interesting equation there which is quite exciting um we were hoping for an interesting tie for the third round Southampton away probably about as rubbish as it gets because you know they've got a tendency of beating us in the cups I think we played them in this competition four or five years ago and they beat us down at their place so a bit of a rubbish draw but let's let's gloss over that shall we um and yeah anything else then from you on um on the last few games well I think that Rochdale what we take from that is not just that Wednesday progressed into the next round, but I, I thought some of the players who came in, the one that is absolutely banging on the door to get a start in the league now is Dennis Adenner. And, you know, you have to say yeah. that. Not you know, two spectacular goals in the cup matches and an assist. Um, yeah, you know, Adenner uh, is looking really strong, and uh, you know, we're seeing the goal threat that he provides. Um, and <laughs> two amazing finishes, one with his weaker foot, and then he's uh, right the other day. So, Denner, and, and then I think the forgotten man, Jaden Brown, you know, we have to also throw in there too yep. and say that, you know, uh, I, can, this has been on, coming on, from Jaden Brown. 
it's been coming because I thought in pre-season he was sharp and he looked good in the in the pre-season yeah. friendly. So I'm not surprised really that we then you know saw the level of performance that he put in the other night. I, I I mean he was kind of like a bit of a forgotten man for me, and I'd probably written him off a little bit because you know just he, he just feel, felt like he faded away, but he's still really quite young, isn't he? And and so you know the idea of the fact that. Can he turn things around at Sheffield Wednesday? Absolutely. And as he maybe started that process now, yeah, very, very, very possibly so. And that's that's interesting. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. And we had a debutant as well, didn't we? We did, yeah. Jay Glover um, at right wing back. It, it's not his natural position. He is a central midfielder. Um, but he did play there, I think, in the Alpherton friendly in the summer. And... Yeah, I think he's someone that has been getting closer and closer to getting that debut. You know, he's been training regularly with the first team. And, uh, you know, we know that Darren Moore likes to get the academy players training with the first team as quickly as possible. We've seen loads of players, haven't we, from Piers Charles, Ryan Galvin, Josh Ashman, Bailey Kadamatari, I think, you know, gone up with the senior teams. And, you know, that's all part think of the development and yeah I thought he was neat and tidy and um, you know he ran out of steam and he was taken off I think with about 20 minutes to go but great experience for him a night here never forget and um, I, I think he's one of those players James that probably needs to go out on loan really I think he's starting to outgrow under 21's football and there's, there's a few in Wednesday's youth system and I'd throw Alex Hunt and Ryan Galvin in there and Darren Moore's said that those two have been made available and, and with a bit of luck, Wednesday are going to find hopefully some EFL clubs that will take them off their hands um, in the next week or so before the window shuts. Cool. Right. We're going to move on uh, because uh, time is fast running out for us. Singing the Blues is brought to you by our sponsors, Taito Law Solicitors, specialists in wills, trusts and probate. If you don't have your will sorted yet, maybe it's been on your mind for ages, you know you need to get it sorted out. Get in touch with Ollie, top guy. He'll guide you through the whole process. Uh, visit titolaw.co.uk. That's T-Y-T-O-L-A-W.co.uk. Dom, you mentioned the um, transfer window, which is we've got about a week or so left of the um, transfer window. We've talked a bit about Wednesday getting their business done quite early. And as we stand here now, it's been an interesting week, hasn't it? Because the saga that is, you know, this could rival EastEnders, Coronation Street, Hollyoaks, Eldorado, um, Malik Wilkes, Wednesday finally getting our man. Um, so, you know, we, we know he's he's um, complained a couple of different positions, 23 years old, scored a ton of goals in um, League One. Uh, I've got a friend who's a Hull fan, which, yeah, I, I constantly um, tell him how sorry I am for, for that. Uh, but um, he says that he's probably one of the most frustrating footballers he's ever seen. He did score a ton of goals in League One, says he probably should have got three or four times the amount that, that he got. He's also... A guy who, you know, he certainly had a bit of trouble in his past. It feels like one of those that, you know, 23 years old, this is very much like a Darren Moore project, isn't it? Not going to lie, I didn't think that the podcast would ever feature El Dorado. So I'm delighted about that. Excellent work. There'll be there'll be some Marriott. of our younger listeners who'll be sat there going, what the hell was El Dorado? Look it up. It was absolutely class. We were well, robbed when I, El Dorado I, was taken off our screens. I tell you who I really hoped class, it's Malik Wilkes. And, uh, you know, you, you're basing it on the last time he was in League One, 
he was instrumental in Hull getting promoted. Yep. You know, I think, was it 19 goals and eight assists? And um, I'm very excited with the signing. I'm really glad the saga's over. I always expected Wednesday to get it over the line. And to be honest with you, yeah. if I was a betting man, I, I you know, from the summer, I sort of felt it was going to go to the last couple of weeks of the window. And that's exactly how it's transpired. Yeah. Uh, I just always felt that there was a will to get the the transfer so that you know Wilkes wanted to come to Wednesday. He wanted to work with Darren Moore. Hull were playing hardball over the transfer fee, eventually have dropped the demands. And it's a statement signing from Wednesday. That's what it is. And he's a great age. And you look at the three players that Wednesday signed on a permanent basis, James, they're all 23. And so I do not want for one moment Sheffield Wednesday to become a selling club. But the idea is that you know Wednesday looked at for Maywo, Backinson and Wilkes, can they develop them? Can they make them better footballers? Hopefully have success with Sheffield Wednesday and then be worth more money in a couple of years. And yeah. then interest may come in, come for those players. And if the bids are too good, you know, Wednesday might look at it and go, right, we'll cash in on them. So, um, no, Wilkes is going to give Wednesday something different in attack, though. That's it's the flair, um, that unpredictability. Yeah. Uh, I, I, in pace, crucially pace, um, that you know Wednesday needed to get in. They've got that. Um, who knows? There may even possibly one, be one more addition in attack. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, it's a dom. It's a dom teaser. It is a teaser, and I think that uh, if again um, we've got a week to go of the window, I don't think Wednesday are done. I still think. That Give us a name, then. Give us a name. I don't know a name. I think it, we could be looking at a loan, and maybe a loan from a Premier League or a Championship club, in the mould of a tyrese John Jules. We all hope it doesn't work out like that one. Um, but you know, Wednesday will bring in and go right. We want him to become part of our first team setup. Um, the difficulty will be um, with any player that Wednesday tries to bring in up front, James, is that um, Darren Moore's then going to have to explain to them, yeah, I've got six forwards here in the building, so uh, I can't promise you guaranteed first-team football. You you yeah. maybe use off the bench a lot. And and this is the fascination with Mowit Wilkes in that for Hull, they played a different formation to what Wednesday played. And so he was more out wide in a 4-3-3 for Hull. Wednesday played 3-5-2. Right now, it's only up front that Malik's Wilkes could play there. And as I said, the competition that Wednesday've got is ridiculous in attack. And we haven't even seen Michael Smith yet. So how does Darren Moore fit them all in? That is the million-dollar question. Well... There's a question off the, the, the back of that. By the way, you mentioned Tyrese John Jules. He scored a pretty good goal at the weekend. He did. back play football. Um, right. Is we, we were a little bit surprised, weren't we, at the start of this season that three at the back was still the system that Wednesday were playing. Because you know, we we'd said a few times that we know Darren Moore has a, you know, wherever he's been, he seems to have had a preferred system, which was 4-2-3-1, is it, that he prefers to um, to play? And we were like, oh, well, you know, maybe we'll bring in the players to do that. Do, do you think that the idea that Darren Moore could now change formation is a ridiculous one? Could this be, because you're right, Malik Wilkes 
looks like the kind of player that would better suit a team playing a different formation to what Wednesday played, unless we're going to stick him in at wing-back and hope for the best, which uh, I think is probably unlikely. Um, do you think that could happen, or is this more about there's an option there at least if we've got a couple of different ways that we can that we can line up then it gives us a chance to do something a little bit different Darren Moore's made it clear James that he's going to change formation at some point this season that's not to say that if they go to a flat back four that he play that for you know week in week out I, I, he wants the option and to be yeah. able tactically to do that against certain opposition um, I, I still don't know Really, if Wednesday've actually trained that much in a back four, and you know, we've not seen any evidence of that this season, and at the moment there's absolutely no change. Like there's no reason to change system when they've won five out of the opening seven matches, and you look plenty, at how Wednesday, clean sheets as well. Yeah, and you look at how well Wednesday've done in 2022. I, I think it would almost be ridiculous right now to go to a back yep. four just to accommodate one player to shoehorn him into the team. And we've seen where that's got former Wednesday managers in the past when you try to shoehorn certain players into the team or keep them happy. But the dynamic with Wilkes is that Darren Moore's chased him for the two months and really was keen on bringing him in. So Malik Wilkes is not coming to sit on the bench. He's coming to play regularly. Yep. So Darren Moore's then going to have to make some tough decisions as to who to leave out. But I keep going back to it as it's really important that squad rotation is going to be you know, coming into play so often. The fact that you can make five subs is a massive advantage. That's going to help Darren Moore keep these players happy and give them minutes. And so when he then has to explain to them why he's left them out for certain matches, he can then still go, well, I see you as coming on for the last half an hour to change the match. So, you know, there's going to be instances of that this season without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but yeah, it's it's a, a tough conundrum. It really is. I, I, I can't get past you know, like the options that Wednesday've got. I almost feel somebody has to leave anyway before the window goes you know, the smart money was on it was going to be silly. So that interest seems to have cooled a little bit. You know, but right. I don't know. I mean, if you're Callum Patterson, what are you thinking right now? Like, as Smith, Gregory, Windass, and Wilkes, that's four players at least that are ahead of him. At, you know, in the pecking order. So it, it maybe feels like happy. the right time if he gets like a loan offer or something. Maybe yeah. he needs to go somewhere else and 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 try and kind of like respark something. But, I mean, someone's mentioned as well. I mean, Patterson, like, if you're looking at areas of the squad where Wednesday still maybe look slightly like, it'd be right wing back. You know, you've got Jack Hunt and Liam Palmer there and they, they're they in their 30s. And we've seen with Jack Hunt, he's missed a few matches this season. There might be a period where Liam Palmer picks up an injury. And so Callum Patterson actually can do a job at right wing back. I mean, he can in... A number of positions. I don't like him there. You're pulling the face, not that no. you can see right now. It's not, no, it's, not his, it's not his position. He's done okay in certain matches when he's played there, but no, I, I can't say that I'm a massive fan. And I don't for one minute think that Mally Wilkes is coming in to play at right wing back, but we have seen that Darren Moore does like to throw a curveball to it. By the way, James, we haven't even mentioned the other signing in this podcast, Mark McGuinness, who was next really on my list, solid. Dom. Sorry, mate. Sorry, yeah. I'm jumping the gun. Well, the, uh, really the, 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 the significance there as well, um, 
Yeah, I think, you know, obviously great. And he was thrown in, you know, pretty much pretty much overnight, wasn't it? That, that he joined and straight into the into the team. But another key point there, he's 21 years old. So, you know, we, we are, um, we, we sort of bemoaned a bit, didn't we? Start of the season, average age of this squad still felt quite high. I was saying in the summer, look, I really feel like we need to get that average age down. Um, and if anything, it kind of crept a little bit in the other direction. But the signings that have come in recently have, have really pulled that back in the in the other direction. And you feel like if you're looking at ages that there's a, a much healthier balance to it as well. I mean, all that matters actually is that we've got great footballers and you know good signs from from Mark McGuinness on the um on the opening in day in a position that we've had awful luck with in recent years, haven't we, in terms of centre backs? Yeah, definitely. Uh, going back to Wilkes a little bit, um, it's just that if you're trying to accommodate and get more strikers on the pitch, I mean, there is the option of playing Josh Windass as the number 10 or in that attacking role. And then you could have Wilkes up front in a 3-5-2 with one other, maybe Smith, for example. But then can you play Windass and Bannon together there? You know, What does that do to Barry Bannon if you play Windass and are wanting him to be that sort of, creative heart in the number 10. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure that that would work um, on a regular basis. And and this is where I, I think it has to be two from, at the moment, six strikers. <laughs> it's just, yeah, but, but in the 4-3-3, three, three, you're right. They could, if they play that system at some stage, you could get Wilkes on the right, Windass on the left, and then it'd be Smith, maybe, or Gregory up top. I mean, whatever way you look at it and spin it, it's very, very exciting. Uh, by the way, 82% is uh, the uh, approval rating from Google users for Eldorado. It was cancelled after 82% <laughs> of people said that they liked it. I think that's an outrage. I think that there could well be a social media campaign to uh, follow off the back of uh, back of this. Uh, you can watch it, by the way, on Amazon Prime if you want to catch up with... Um, Are you on commission? The, uh, you on commission? The series of El Dorado. Um, let's, we're, we're pretty much out of time, so we can only really kind of gloss over this. But game's coming up. We've got... Um, Forest Green Rovers, I think the first time that Sheffield Wednesday have ever played Forest Green Rovers coming up on um, Saturday at, at, at Hillsborough. Um, Bradford away on um, Tuesday, back to Hillsborough for Barnsley next Saturday. Those two home games um, in in the in the league, very different games, Forest Green Rovers and Barnsley. What great opportunity that, two home games on the trot. Like when we next sit down and do this, what could that... I know it's not Christmas, it doesn't count, but what could that league table look like? Well, yeah, I mean, it could look very good uh, in Wednesday's favour without a shadow of a doubt. And, you know, th this is where you go back to, you know, Ipswich, who are top at the minute. They've had a very, what I would call, easy start on paper, whereas Wednesday played MK Dons, Peterborough and Bolton away. And Wednesday, we, we looked at the start of the season when if they come through the first 12 to 15 matches unscathed, Say if after twenty, yeah. say after ten matches, they've got twenty plus points on the board. They're going to be in such a strong position, and they've done their business early in the transfer window. I'm not expecting it to be manic on the you know on the deadline day next week, yeah. um, unless Wednesday do get any more injuries, and those are the only sort of concerns they've got with Ben Hennigan and Iorfa and you know, Deli Bashiru. They went off with knocks against Rochdale. Hopefully they're not nothing too serious. 
I certainly think if Wednesday got an injury in defence, another one, with Fumeo not likely to be playing for another couple of months, then yep. you know Wednesday might have to look at that and go, we need another centre-half to come in just so that we've got the cover. Uh, but no, I, I think there'll be some wins for Wednesday over the, the next week. And you know, you'd be looking at Forest Green. If you're going to get promoted, Wednesday, with all due respect, should be beating Forest Green at home. They should be. Barnsley, yeah. Yorkshire Derby, that will not be an easy assignment. They've been... Um, again, fairly inconsistent so far. They they're under new management with Michael Duff, but you know Barnsley have aspirations of getting promoted, and so there'll be hopefully a good crowd at Hillsborough. And you, you you would like to think Wednesday would come away with a minimum of four points from those two home matches and beat Bradford in the Pizza Cup. And uh, I think if they they do that, I mean four points is a minimum for me really from two home matches. Yeah. And you know Wednesday yeah. haven't lost at Hillsborough since. February, Forest Green is a banana skin. They should have too much for Forest Green. There, whatever team Darren Moore picks, should be more than good enough to be beating Forest Green and Barnsley, and frankly, most teams in this league. Nicely, nicely said. Uh, right, that is going to wrap us up then for this episode. On Twitter, Dom is at Dom Housen. I'm at James Marriott. And the show is at Dom and James. You can find all the links on our uh, website or in the show notes for this episode. Thanks for listening. Up the owls. And we'll see you next time. 